Hello and welcome to the first episode of Deeper Than Data, A-Data's new summer podcast series. I'm Daniel Abawaji. And I'm Emily Jackson. And we're your hosts. This week, two months have passed since disaster struck in Nepal. On April 25th, a 7.8 magnitude earthquake and aftershocks devastated the country, injuring or killing thousands, and an enormous international response to the disaster followed. Tech company Young Innovations' Open Nepal portal has tracked over $830 million in relief aid pledged so far. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about how mapping and open data can be used to respond to natural disasters not only in Nepal, but around the world. In these disaster situations, first responders need to know where to go and how to get there, and they need this information quickly. This April, U.S. students collaborated with partners in Nepal to put open source mapping to work to help first responders get the information they needed to assist those communities and people most in need. Spatial data about the locations of destroyed buildings and displaced people are critical to these efforts. So as students that work with aid data and as summer fellows, We've been exposed to these benefits and possibilities of spatial thinking. That's Lou Sevier, a current Aid Data Summer Fellow who mobilized her classmates at the College of William & Mary to map disaster locations of affected communities and infrastructure via an online disaster information portal called Living Nepal. So in Nepal, we actually used OpenStreetMap data as the base layer for our Living Nepal portal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say living because information on this portal was constantly added to and updated. So Aid Data created one of the first maps to give to responders on the ground, like Save the Children. It was through the combined efforts of our geospatial scientists, data team, students, and OpenStreetMap volunteers that the creation of this map happened so quickly. Um, Our boss quotes that Nepal was mapped in 48 hours. That's a really impressive turnaround. It supported the relief efforts, and it actually helped to better coordinate the flow of disaster assistance in Nepal. But Lou and a group of organizations in the Philippines want to do more. They want to put spatial data to work before the next disaster. But the big question is, like, why should we wait for the next natural disaster to map? Because right now the Philippines is in this unique position. If they start to think and plan spatially, they can decrease casualties in the next disaster. This summer, five Aid Data Summer Fellows are working in the Philippines with the Map the Philippines initiative. Map the Philippines is a new initiative funded by Making All Voices Count to develop an open source, open data platform for mapping throughout the Philippines. Right now, many towns and villages there have never been mapped and don't even appear on Google Maps. In 2013, the Philippines experienced its own devastation from Typhoon Yolanda. We can't be sure exactly when, but it's highly likely that the Philippines will face another natural disaster in the future. We spoke with one of Aid Data's summer fellows, Lou Sevier, about the situation in the Philippines and what Map the Philippines is doing to help prepare for the future. We'll let her provide some context. So the Philippines is currently ranked third in the world among countries with the highest risk of natural disaster. And this poses a problem because in the Philippines, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when a disaster will happen. When it does happen, the people need to know where to go. And these disasters could happen at any time. 
For example, Metro Manila sits on top of a fault line, which is due for a 7.3 earthquake, the same magnitude of an earthquake that happened in Nepal. And this is scheduled in the next 50 years. But this time, the earthquake will be happening in a city with a population of almost 11 million people in the metropolitan area. So every day, millions of people are at risk of earthquakes, volcanoes, typhoons, and more in over 7,000 islands that make up the Philippines. That is a lot of ground to cover, but we don't have to wait until disaster occurs to begin compiling the information that future responders will need to provide timely assistance and relief. Map the Philippines and the Aid Data Summer Fellows are already hard at work developing an approach to close the data gap that can be applied to any disaster. They're using maps. Inexpensive and informative, mapping is an incredible tool. With open source mapping resources such as the collaborative wiki OpenStreetMap, absolutely anyone can map. The different applications of mapping are endless. Lou says it herself. Mapping can be used as a humanitarian tool, for community empowerment, for business ventures, and can be this transferable skill. And in terms of disaster resilience, the payoff is substantial. Just listen to Lou's story of how one barangay, that's Filipino for village, is using maps to prepare for and deal with disasters. So actually my favorite example was actually someone I met today. He's the leader of a barangay, which is a neighborhood here. And his barangay has had no casualties from natural disaster in five years. Wow. And from the area of the Philippines that he lives in, this is unheard of because He's like right in typhoon area and there's a volcano on his island. Oh my gosh. So we were asking him today, like, how do you have no casualties in your barangay? Well, they mapped the neighborhood by hand. And they know where all the women and children are. They know which areas are, um, like, are flood prone and aren't. And they have all these evacuation centers pulled up. Mapping is a humble tool, but for this one barangay in the Philippines, it may end up saving lives when the next disaster arrives. The community got together and mapped out all the important things they needed to know in case disasters struck. The map is incredibly detailed. You can actually see it in the blog post for this episode at aiddata.org blog. Lou also told us about some other organizations and offices in the Philippines that are collecting and analyzing geospatial data but there's a big limitation to most of the work that's been done there so far. The data isn't open. To access it, you'll have to call a number and talk to an operator. Even if you are lucky enough to get in contact with a representative, you'll still need to obtain permission from multiple people to access the information you need. And even when you do access that information, it may not be in the exact form you want, or it may not have been analyzed in the way you need. Closed data is jumping through all of these hoops. It's slow, it's frustrating. But it doesn't have to be that way. Research initiatives like Aid Data and Map the Philippines are dedicated to creating public, transparent data that anyone can find, update, and use. Open data isn't just important for nonprofits' bookkeeping habits or donors' development assistance tactics. It's actually a way to give back. It allows us to create and improve new aid projects, and when disaster strikes, it gives us a way to know exactly where and how to respond in time. So open data matters to me because anyone can use it and access it quickly. And when there's a disaster, you don't have time to wait on the phone. To prepare for disaster, we need maps with complete information, and we need them to be open. 
this seems like it could pose a pretty significant challenge. After all, there are 101 million people inhabiting about 2,000 islands of varying size and remoteness in the Philippines. It doesn't have to be expensive, complicated, or tedious though. Lou describes how simple it can be by recounting her work with the barangay. So I was working with him today and he pulled up his JPEG map and we spent about 25 minutes transferring that map onto OpenStreetMap. And so, like if, if there was a store in his province that changed, the name of the store changed, you can add that to OpenStreetMap. You can add the levels of the building in OpenStreetMap. Um, there's, there's just so much you can do with it. 25 minutes. That's all it took to put this very detailed map online and make it available for absolutely anyone to see, use, and update. When you check out the blog post for this episode at adata.org blog, you can also see the digitized OpenStreetMap version of this Barangay's map. Anyone can learn how to use open source mapping technologies. And when we combine the knowledge and experiences of Filipino people with easy to use, readily available mapping technology, we can make a lot of progress towards being better prepared for the next disaster. So we're talking about having some of the fellows go there and hold a workshop on how to use OpenStreetMap. Because if we can teach, you know, like five passionate people about mapping, we can like get the whole barangay mapped. The barangay that Lou encountered is certainly inspiring, but our efforts don't stop at just one barangay, one village, one neighborhood. The question becomes, how do we take such a positive and productive experience and scale it up? There's definitely potential in the Philippines to have open data. And the ideas of GIS have come to the Philippines and people are really excited about mapping and see the potential of mapping. But there isn't a portal here right now like a consistent portal that everybody can get their data from. And it just isn't the standard to save things as Excel files and shape files. They're just kind of like your, your analyst makes the map and makes a pretty map and it becomes a JPEG and then it's saved and, and put away. Map the Philippines and the efforts of Lou and our other Aid Data Summer Fellows are aimed at answering the call for consistency and accessibility that a portal could provide. They're on the ground meeting with community leaders and training people to use GIS, OpenStreetMap, and other sources to map. Why? Because we can't map alone. Collaboration was a major theme throughout our conversation with Lou and the other fellows. We have a fantastic team, larger mapping community. Our fellowship is about collaboration. That's what we're working towards. At its core, open data is all about collaboration. Our interview with Lou made it apparent that one of the biggest stumbling blocks is liberating the data that is already there but hidden from public view. As Lou stressed, vital data is often put away on someone's flash drive. It just isn't the standard to save things as Excel files and shape files. The mountain of data available just doesn't equate to what is accessible, timely, or in an open source format. As it stands, closed data is the standard. But it shouldn't be. As we saw with Nepal, creating a publicly available, up-to-date, and extremely detailed map is vital to providing essential personnel and resources to people in need. The outpouring of support for Nepal was amazing, but all of that assistance would have been so much less effective if there hadn't been an apparatus in place to guide those efforts on the ground. The humanitarian OpenStreetMap team describes the role of real-time geocoding 
as providing detailed and accurate maps very quickly so humanitarians can locate people at risk and deliver goods and services to the areas that need them most. Robert Soden and Leija Palin recently published a paper that analyzed the impact OpenStreetMap had in the post-earthquake relief efforts of Haiti in 2010. The work done mapping Haiti was very much an important forerunner to the collaborative effort of OpenStreetMap and the Living Nepal portal. The paper describes what happened in Haiti as technology-supported social entrepreneurship. Soden and Palin later expanded on this idea everyday lay people employing crowdsourcing technology to improve their communities. The rise of the technological social entrepreneurs. Soden and Palin write, when fiscally valuable data become available for humanitarian efforts, and certainly when concerted effort and funding go toward making such data accessible, editable, and consumable by many, those actions themselves show a social entrepreneurial spirit that demonstrates new models for civic participation, innovation, and activism. A lot of what aid data does is tracking aid projects retrospectively, so we have an accurate resource of geocoded data that anyone can use to evaluate and improve development assistance flows. As we're learning now though, disaster preparedness is an extremely vital part of the relationship between aid and open data as well. Leveraging new, real-time, open-source tools completely changes the game in terms of disaster response. Open data allows us to see where there are flaws in existing emergency response plans, where there are areas of need. Timely data is an extremely valuable resource in the coordination of emergency relief. For instance, there isn't an up-to-date map of all the schools in the Philippines. And Asian Development Bank has a list of all the schools, but they don't have a way to like geographically tag them. So probably next week, Prabesh, Emily, and I are going to sit down and geocode all of those out for, you know, three or four hours and put them on the map um, and have a really cool visual to show um, why schools are evacuation centers and why the municipality sh might rethink that because um, if people are staying in the schools for too long, then the kids can't go back to school. These are the kinds of insights that open data can provide. Open maps are about more than just showing people where to go. They're about visualizing problems and responses and figuring out new improved ways of equipping the development community with the tools to channel spending effectively. In Southeast Asia specifically, there is still a long way to go in scaling up capacity for effectively managing and responding to natural disasters. Tantek Boone and Alan Lai published an article last year in International Policy Digest that boiled the region's ineffective disaster management down to three main factors. As Boone and Lai saw it, the three hindrances were state interference in disaster relief efforts, inadequate assessment capacity of disaster relief agencies, and lastly, loose coordination between all stakeholders involved in disaster management. This begs the question, what needs to change in order to save lives in times of crisis? And how can we leverage the open data revolution to meaningfully contribute to more effective disaster relief in Southeast Asia? We asked Lou what she and the other fellows hope will be the legacy of their work in the Philippines. The open data portal 
show the potential of mapping, how important and integral open source data is, building capacity among local Filipinos to use and regularly update OpenStreetMap, more maps and more mappers, For more information on today's episode, head over to Aid Data's blog, The First Tranche, at aiddata.org slash blog to read the accompanying blog post. You can see maps of the barangay Lou spoke of, read about our summer fellows' work, and find more information about OpenStreetMap and open data for disaster preparedness. Next week on Deeper Than Data, coinciding with the fourth anniversary of independence in South Sudan, we will be examining the mechanics of aid in nations experiencing a time of political upheaval or social change. Join us next Tuesday, June 30th, for episode two. We'd like to extend a very big thank you to two of the Aid Data Summer Fellows we spoke to, Prabash Baznet and Emily McLennigan, and to all the minds that contributed to this episode behind the scenes. And a very big thanks to today's special guest, Lou Sevier, an inspiring and inquisitive member of the Aid Data family. We'll let Lou have the last word. We really couldn't have said it better. Mapping is not just a tool, but this way to innovate um, on whatever path you choose. This is Daniel Abawaji and Emily Jackson. Thanks for listening.